0: Um, you know, I have the uh, the joy, my voice is a little hoarse from today, and I'll explain that in just a minute. Um, I have the joy of, of coaching my oldest daughter, Finley, um, first and second grade girls basketball team, and uh, so yesterday we had a doubleheader, and I was not screaming at the girls, but I was trying to get their attention in a large gym for two hours, and so uh, my voice is a little hoarse this morning, um, but, but you know, coaching my my. my Finley's um, team, I'm just having such a blast coaching in this year. This is my third year to coach her, and and there's something about this year's team, man. They're just so fun to coach. They're scrappy, and and, and they're tough, and they play really hard, and they just have this this intangible, this thing that every coach wants, you know, all of us classic coaches, wonderful coaches that we want in our players is, is, is that they never give up. And so yesterday, we had this doubleheader, In the first game, you know, they came out, and we just got beat by a little bit better team. We're going to get them the next time we play them. And 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 so we had this little break in between games, and, and you know, you never you never know how they're going to come out and play in that second game, right? So sometimes when you, you lose, you take one on the cheek, it just kind of brings you down. It has this way of discouraging you. This was our whole season last year. We were one in like nine, and so they just kind of had this mentality that every time we play, we're going to lose. And so I didn't know what was going to happen when we came out in that second game, but it was so fun because the exact opposite happened, that, that they came out and they're, you know, getting beat in the first game kind of lit something inside of them. And, and so they came out and we just destroyed the team, three to two. It was the best game, the, the three-point to two-point game that you've ever seen in your life, just keeps you on the, the edge of your seat. And I'm, I'm, it was so much fun to be a part of, just just watching them getting to, to win. And I was just thinking about those games yesterday and, and this morning, the text that we're going to be in. And I just kept thinking about, man, that that so many things in, in that story are true for us as followers of Jesus. You know, when, when you become, when you step into being a follower of Jesus, there's just this joy that comes from being in the grace of God, right? And some of you, you've been followers of Jesus for a long time, but if, if you could remember just that, that moment where where your sins are washed away and, and you're filled with this hope and this passion for Jesus and you just want everyone to know about him. It's why I love our church family because there are constantly people who are, are discovering Jesus for the first time and they are just on fire evangelists. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus in fifth grade, I could not wait to go to school the next day and to tell my teacher about what God was doing in my life and my heart. And this is the way that it is, that there is something that, that stirs inside of us when God gets a hold of our heart. But have you ever known? Notice how life just happens, right? And so often what happens when when life comes our way, people who were once burning bright for the Lord, it just, life has this way of, of stealing the joy and stealing the sense of mission and purpose and focus on Jesus and walking with Jesus and ultimately stealing our hope. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever ever felt that? And and, and today, what I love about the story that we're going to be in is we're going to be looking at two different people, people that one day we will meet in heaven, this man named Simeon, this woman named Anna. And what I love about them is that life happened to them, and yet they did not give up. And so today we're going to look at, uh, at two things that, that so often as followers of Jesus, they come into our life and they have this way of, of weakening our faith or even separating us from God and, and, and separating us from hope. And so these two things that, that, that are described in, in the life of Simeon is time. We're going to talk about how so often time has this way of just removing our hope. And, and the thing that that Anna gonna, is going to come with, or Anna, however you want to pronounce that, however you feel that should be pronounced, is going to come at us and, and talk about what it looks like when, when tragedy comes our way. And so we're going to talk about time, and we're going to talk about tragedy and how these two things so often have a way of affecting our hope. And so let's dive in to, to Simeon. And, and talk about how, how time has this way of, of, of affecting our hope. And so starting in verse 22 uh, of Luke chapter 2, I'm so, I'm so thankful we're getting to this this morning. God's going to speak through his word. So this is the word of the Lord, starting in verse 22 of Luke 2. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, that every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord And when the parents of Jesus brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, "'Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations.' A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so I want to just give us a little color in this story because it's easy to read this and to miss some of the beauty and the things that are happening. And so, I don't know what you think about when you think about the temple. You might not have any concept, right? The, the temple was a place, though, that people went, just like Mary and Joseph, to, to give their offerings, that when your firstborn child is, is born or, or, or when, when, when you committed a sin, it's a place that you went to, to make sacrifice. It was a place that people went for the place of prayer. And so when you think of the temple, don't think of this empty building where a couple of people are. I want you to think of the mall at Christmas time in 2019. Not this year, right? And, and it's a place that, that there are people and they're moving and there are things that are going around. And so here's the picture. Mary and Joseph uh, go to Jerusalem, to the temple. We don't know where Simeon is. Maybe he's at home sitting on the couch, but the story tells us that he is moved by the Holy Spirit. There is something inside of him that says, hey, right now it's time to go to the temple. So he he gets up and he moves into the temple. And can you imagine walking into a crowd and, 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 and being like, how can I find anyone in this crowd? And the Holy Spirit points, there he is. And you can just imagine him being like, who, the the guy with the red scarf? Like the the guy with the beanie on? There he is. Oh, that man? No, the the baby. And so picture this. He he, he walks over to these people that he's probably never met before. And and he walks up to to Mary and, and he takes her baby no, have you ever tried to ask a stranger that's holding a baby if you could hold their baby, right? That's, that's strange, but this is what is happening. Those of you who are, who are moms, you think about it, Have you ever had a stranger say, hey, can I hold your baby? You're not typically like, yeah, I just have, have at it, right? And, 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 and there's something about this moment that, that we miss, but think about all that is going on here. And so Simeon takes this baby and he looks at this baby and he just professes these beautiful words over him. And as I got in this week, I was going, man, is there, is there any meaning to the things that he's saying? And what I realized is that he's looking at Jesus, this baby, and he's speaking Old Testament passages of Scripture over him. He says, you've prepared in the sight of all nations. That's Isaiah 52, verse 10. He says, a light for revelation to Gentiles. That's Isaiah 42, verse 6, and Isaiah 49, verse 6. And this is significant because he is, he is, he is speaking passages of Scripture over Jesus, I want to ask you and just invite you to really be honest. You don't have to tell this to anybody, but I want you to think about this. Man, are you in a place right now that you're, you're, you're losing your passion and your direction and you're, you're losing your drive to live for Jesus? And, and, and maybe you look at your life and you go, man, there's not been any c- catastrophes, nothing terrible has happened, but, but maybe you just look at where you are right now today, December 6th, whatever today is, and, and the frustration of the year has just finally set in, being separated from people and not getting to do the traditions that you always look forward to doing, doing Thanksgiving with your family or that trip in the fall with your friends. And, and while nothing tragic has happened, do you look at your life and you go, man, I've lost some of my flame for the Lord. I've lost some of of the hope. And and, and what I love about Simeon is that that I think God gives us Simeon to encourage us today. To speak to these people. If this is you, you know, that that Scripture doesn't tell us a whole lot about the life of Simeon. But we do know some things as we just read these few verses about him. The first is this, that that he he knew and he searched the Scriptures. Think about this. You don't quote things um, that, that, that you've not been thinking about and that you haven't read, right? The things that come out of our mouths are the things that we've been meditating on. You quote The Office, why? Because chances are you've been watching The Office. You quote your favorite comedian, why? Because you've been watching your comedian. You, you talk about the things that you're taking in. And what we know about Simeon is that he had been taking in the scriptures. And I go, for so many of us, maybe you look at the past 10 or 11 months or the past couple years, and you go, man, I've lost my hope. And I just invite you, go, man, have you been searching the scriptures? And if, and if you haven't, that's not a condemnation, that's an invitation. You know what Simeon knew is that Scripture was the map that led to the treasure that is Christ. And I just encourage you to re-engage, to keep engaging if you are. You know, my family and I, we're, we're trying to just take a chapter of Luke every day and just read through it leading up to Christmas Day and I invite you to just jump in with us. If you don't have a reading plan right now, just be amazed that Jesus, Simeon knew this, that one of the ways to combat the, 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 the time and how it can so often sink our hope is to search the scriptures. The second thing that, that Simeon teaches us is that he continued to believe in the promises of God. Now, this is pretty significant. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And consolation here just means the the comfort. And so God had made many promises, many, many promises, that God was going to come to and through the nation of Israel, that he would comfort Israel, and that the one who would come through Israel would comfort, who would would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And and here's what's so crazy, that God made all these promises, and then there was a 400-year gap where no promises, no more promises were made, there seemed to be no promises that were fulfilled. 400 years, which means that this is not even just Simeon's lifetime. This is like Simeon's great, 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 great grandparents. And have you ever noticed how, how when someone, you know, when you ask someone to do something or when someone tells you they're going to do something and they take a long time to do it, how, how we just realize how antsy we are? <laughs> Right? Have, you ever, have you ever experienced that where you ask someone to do something for you and they just take way longer than you think and you're going, man, when is this gonna happen? When's this gonna come? And, and what I love about Simeon is that he teaches us how to patiently wait for God to keep his promises. You know, I go, right now, are the promises of God the thing that is, that is are they anchoring you? You know, promises are all in, in the scripture. Matthew 28, Jesus says, I am with you always. Or Paul in Romans chapter eight says that, I'm gonna make all things work out for the good of those who love me who've been called according to my purpose. Or Jesus in Revelation 22, I'm going to make everything new. There'll be no more crying or tears or pain in what I am doing. And and I go, are you clinging to the promises of God right now? Because so often what happens when the promises are made but we don't see them being fulfilled is this indifference sets in. Or Aaron said this ambivalence sets in, this apathy. And I go, man, so often the things that Jesus has spoken to us, one of the reasons our hope is is, is quenched is because we're not leaning. We're not going, God, we know that you're a truth teller. We're continuing to lean in. And Simeon teaches us how to cling to the scriptures, how to keep leaning on the promises of the Lord. And I love this third piece that we learned about Simeon is that he is a man that is led by the Spirit you know the spirit we don't have enough time to talk uh, to unpack this today but the spirit of god is the free gift that is given to any person who turns their life to jesus and and i'm telling you you cannot do it you cannot live a hopeful life without spirit can't do it. It's the, the spirit is, is the, the one who comes and who lives inside of us and who comforts us. And so what I love about Simeon is that he doesn't, there's not very much that's spoken about him in the scripture, but he teaches us so much about how to endure time. And so I encourage you, if you're in a season right now where you, you, you don't see anything happening or moving, lean in like Simeon. Simeon is for you. I believe that the Lord has presented Simeon to encourage you to not give up, even though time seems to be standing in your way. Now, let's talk about tragedy. If we if use Simeon to talk about time, let's, let's look at Anna or Anna to talk about tragedy, starting in verse 36 of Luke 2. There's also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. I'm sure she's like, Luke, did you have to include that detail? Like, seriously, I'm very old? Listen to this. She, she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of, of Jerusalem. And so, you know, Mary's life, let's, let's do the same thing that we just did with Simeon. Let's, let's put some color in her life. You know, she's, she's married seven years, and then her husband dies. Think about that in our context. There's no way around this. It is just sad. You know, every time I hear of, of someone who's, who dies young, man, it just, it just hurts my heart. It, it's, it's gut-wrenching. And, and, and here's Anna. She's married for seven years. And seven years in, her husband dies. And, and, and she seemingly has no children. And I just was reading about this this week, and my heart was going out to Anna. I'm going, man, there's no way that this is how she thought her life is going to turn out. And what I love about the scriptures is the scriptures invite us in. I go, how many of us relate to that? That you look at your life and and life just hasn't turned out how you thought. And maybe it hasn't been tragic, this big tragedy, but but maybe it has. Maybe you lost a a dear friend. Or or maybe when you were growing up, your mom walked out on you. You grew up with just a dad. Or maybe you grew up without any parents. Or maybe your parents got divorced. Or maybe you lost your job. Or, or maybe you haven't found the spouse that you thought for sure by now you'd have. Or maybe you thought that, that, man, you'd have children by now, but you haven't been able to have a child. Or maybe it's your kids that you're, you're grown and old now and, and your kids are rebellious from the Lord. And I just want to say this, that Anna, man, she teaches us that, that tragedy, it has this way of touching us all. And, and what I was being really stretched in this week is that I believe that in tragedy, there is a potential for two totally different outcomes. For, for one outcome of tragedy is it has this way of just distancing us from God where we just look at God and we say, God, we're done with you. But also believe that tragedy has this way of moving us into this place of desperation and delight in the Lord. And in this moment of tragedy, there's so much, it's pregnant with Possibility with potential. You know, I believe that, that tragedy is, is one of the enemy's schemes, one of his greatest tools, one of his greatest weapons that Satan loves to capitalize or even initiate to separate us from our relationship with the Lord. Guys, for, for those of us who are of Jesus, this is, you know, John, John and Jenna were reading the passage in John. He calls us beloved, beloved. My brothers and my sisters, listen to this, our, our life and our joy and our hope and our strength and our faith, these things come from God through our connection with the Father. This is John 15. remain in me. I'm gonna sustain you. Fruit's gonna flow through your life. And, and these things come from the, the vibrancy of being in connection with the Lord. And the enemy knows that if he can get us to, to distance ourselves from the Lord, if he can create a a, a disconnect in our hearts, if he can sow some seeds of distrust in us, then he knows we ourselves will distance ourselves from our life support, from the very one who sustains us and who fills us and who satisfies us. And I was just reminded of the, the potential and tragedy to move away from God. And, and we see this happening all the time. And, and, and hear me, I, I, if I'm speaking callously, if it sounds callously, please forgive me. I understand that my life has just not been that hard. Comparatively speaking, I have no idea what you've gone through. And so don't hear me saying like, you know, this is how you should react to this. But, but, but I do think Anna teaches us She has something to to speak into us, you know, that that the enemy, man, so often in places of tragedy is where he comes in and he speaks his greatest lies. And I go, man, if if you face tragedy and you find yourself just being disconnected and and far and done from God, I go, I want you to think about, have you you thought of, of these words? Have you heard these lines? Man, if God loved you, he would never have let that happen. Or maybe have you heard this line? God just wasn't powerful enough to do anything about it. Or maybe this is a lie that you heard. He's not hearing those prayers, so quit praying. And I go, those thoughts, where do they come from? They come from somewhere. Beloved, and it's not the Spirit of God. It's the one who's trying to separate you from life itself. You see, tragedy has this way of of the enemy getting in and, and doing some really dark and deep work of separation. But I also believe that in tragedy, there's so much potential to move us into a deeper place of delight and dependence on the Lord. And this is what we see in Anna. You know, I, have, I was talking to a friend yesterday and, and he was telling me, you know, growing up, he, his, his dad committed suicide. And I never knew this, when we were just talking. I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And he, and he looked at me, and there's still some sadness in his heart. And, and he said, I've, I'm better. I've learned from this. I'm a better dad. I'm a better follower for Jesus. I'm a better man. I've, I've learned from, from this. And there was something about that moment that spoke to my heart. I'm going, yeah, that is, that is what the, the enemy wants to take this and move us from God. And there's something about tragedy that, that God invites us in a deeper place of, of leaning on him. Or I think about some of our dear family friends, the Minsters, you know, Josh Willis, our, our student pastor, his wife, Molly, some of the most just amazing, their family, is just some of the most anointed by God, faithful, loving, I mean, you need to pick me up, go spend time with them, family, and you would never know, but they had one of the just hardest tragedies I could even imagine going through. Their daughter was killed in a car wreck when she was 16 years old. Can't imagine losing a child. And, and you look at, at their family, and from a world standpoint, you go, man, they have every reason to, to live on this side of being done with God. I but they've, they've, they've depended on the Lord, that the Lord has sustained them, that the Lord has reminded them of resurrection, that the Lord has allowed this tragedy to be the thing that, that, that flows through them for the good of, of the world and the mission. I go, man, that I think about even this summer, you know, we had two foster kids in our house. And so we had, we had five kids under the age of seven and Courtney was doing something on a Friday night and it was all me by myself. And, and Deb finds out about it. And so she goes to Chick-fil-A. I don't know if she just didn't think I could handle it or not. I probably couldn't handle it, but she shows up to our house, knocks on the door and she has dinner for all five of these kids and two of them that she'd never met before. She goes around the table and kisses them and blesses them, gives me this big hug. And I'm going, you would never know that tragedy has hit her life because she's leaned into the Lord. You Guys, I don't, I don't know whether Anna stayed at the temple worshiping, fasting, praying because she needed God's daily strength to get through the pain. I go, man, 84, seven, you know, that, that's, uh, I don't know how long, she, she was a widow for, for a very long time. And I know some people who've gone through things many, many, many years ago, decades ago, and every day it's still a battle. And I don't know if for Anna, she stayed at the temple because she needed God to give her daily strength. Or maybe she stayed at the temple because she'd have, she learned that in the presence of God, her heart came alive like nothing else. And the reality is it was probably both. But we learned something from the way that Anna teaches us to face tragedy through worship and through prayer. You ever noticed how, how worship, how, how fixing your eyes off of your problems and fixing them onto Jesus, the one who will return, who will restore all things, just has this way of, of filling you up, of comforting you, of anchoring you? What I love about Anna's life is that she, she fasted and she prayed. And I'm going, man, there's something about putting yourself in a place for God to touch you that God touches you. It's the story of Acts. You see it in Acts chapter 2 that, that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Do you know when it was poured out? What was the church doing? They were praying. Or in Acts chapter 10, when, when, when God was trying to teach Peter some new things and show him some things that he was doing in the world that he wasn't aware of, do you know where Peter was? He was in the place of prayer. Or in Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison and, 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 the, and he miraculously gets released from prison, do you know what the church was doing? The church was praying, or in Acts chapter 13, when, when the church of Antioch were, were gathering, they were, they, were, they were fasting and praying, and that was the launch pad for, for Paul to go into the world to preach the gospel to Gentiles. And over and over and over and over again, you see this picture of God meets us in prayer. And sometimes God, yeah, he, we're going about our business and, and he gets our attention, but man, when, when we give our focus and our heart and we prioritize the Lord, he moves and he meets us. And Anna discovered this. I love this. There's something that Anna is teaching us about how to walk through tragedy, to stay in the presence of the Lord. You know, I think it's so cool that, uh, that God includes her name in the scripture. Think about how many people, as you read through the gospels, are just nameless people that the Lord wanted Anna's name to be written. It's so cool to me that, that one day you and I will meet Anna in heaven. We'll be like, oh, you were the prophet how cool is this, how kind of God, and what the Lord was teaching me is that for those who are faithful, He will use. I love that, that it says that Anna, was. she went up to the child and she was speaking to all those who were waiting on the redemption of Jerusalem. And this is really significant. We don't have time to go into all the details of this today, but, but essentially she goes and, and, and there were people who were at the temple who were waiting, who were expecting, just like Simeon, for God to keep all of God's promises. You see, to a Jewish person, they understood that when the savior the messiah would come god's promises would begin to be fulfilled that this messiah would be the one who would fulfill them and they understood that jerusalem had a significant part to play in all this and so what we discover about anna is that she becomes one of the first evangelists she's telling hey those of you who are who are leaning in who are looking for the lord she goes this is him this is him we could spend all day talking about Anna and Simeon. But I want to, to highlight something. As, as awesome as they are, as noble as they are, you know, as, as, as inspiring as they are, man, that the reason that they had hope, the reason they're in the scripture, is because their hope was tethered to the right one. And man, so many of us today, especially living in America. If we're being honest, our hope is tethered to something other than Jesus. Our hope is in getting married. Our hope is in making a name for ourselves in the industry. Our hope is in getting our dream job. And you see what happens when those things don't come to fruition. We feel like a failure, we lose hope. And what Simeon and Anna teach us is if we will put our hope in the right one, we will not be ultimately disappointed. I love what what Simeon says. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. This word for salvation is the word Yeshua. It's the name of Jesus. And the thing that that Simeon did is the thing that each one of us will do. Do you realize that one day, Jesus Christ will return on the clouds, that there will be a physical man that appears in the sky. His name will be Jesus. We will see him. Every eye will look on him. And for those of us, beloved, who've been waiting for him, you think about the way that when you were a kid, you you asked for something for Christmas, and, and, and you saw gifts under the tree, and you just thought about it, and you thought about it, and you thought about it, and you hoped for it, and you hoped for it, and you waited. And the joy of opening that gift on Christmas morning and getting the thing that you had longed Think about that joy 100-fold when Christ returns, the one who loved us perfectly. When he returns, it will be a joyous and glorious moment when we look on the one who was crushed, who was pierced, who was destroyed for us, and we see the one who has kept his promises, who has come back for us, for those of us followers of Jesus, beloved, who are waiting for us. It will be a glorious day, a wonderful day, when we see the one who loves us perfectly. will experience what Simeon saw. My eyes have seen your salvation. I mean, wrestling, man, how how did Simeon, think about this, how did Simeon and Anna know that this baby was the Messiah, that he was Yeshua, that he was salvation? You know, have you ever hung out with a 30-day-old baby? They don't talk very much, Right? So it's it's not like in the middle of this temple that 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 baby Jesus was going, hey, I'm the Messiah. He didn't have this mark. It was, it was this baby that couldn't do anything but but cry and be held by his mom and his dad. How did they know by faith they received him? You see, the Holy Spirit led Simeon. There is something inside of him. This, this is the one. And he leaned in. And I love this because we have to receive Jesus the same way. First Peter 1 tells us that we don't see Jesus right now. Right? Like he's not in the room here at the studio with us. If he was, he'd be preaching right here. We do not see him right now. But here's what we do see. We see what the scriptures emphatically declare over and over again. I love Romans chapter 4 verse 25 that Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, through whom we have gained access, listen, by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And I go, guys, if we receive Jesus by faith, we get to get caught up in the greatest story that ever was, that ever will be. If you receive this Jesus by faith, the one that's declared in the scriptures that lives in our heart through the Holy Spirit, you will spend your life knowing Christ. You will discover the joy and the satisfaction of being a friend. Jesus is alive. He's well. He speaks. He moves. He is in tune to you. You will be a friend of the kindest, the wisest, most powerful, loving, sacrificial person there ever was. There ever will be. His name is Jesus. You'll get to experience in this life right now, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. If you lean into this, your, your life, man, the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. He will tell you secrets. the same way that he did to Simeon you're not going to die before you see Messiah. That's him. You will experience the movement of the Holy Spirit. He will do things in your life that will just make you go, God, you're incredible, purely because he loves you. And he's going to use you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he will use you, like Anna, to help other people come to know him. So here's our invitation for today. Three things. For those of you who are not followers of Jesus, I go, man, do you believe in it? Do you believe in this Jesus? Then if you believe in him, then give your life to him. Become one with Jesus in baptism. Give him your life. If you don't know what that looks like, how to do that, send us an email at share at ethoschurch.org. We'd love to talk to you. We have a team full of pastors that would love to meet and answer any questions that you have. For some of you this morning, you realize, like unlike Anna and unlike Simon, man, you've lost hope. And I encourage you to share that with your at-home gathering today to share that with the people that you've gathered with today, to reach out to someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit and just ask them to pray for you, to pray with you. And for the rest of us, man, let's be like my daughter's basketball team. Resilient, bouncing back from the tough things that come at us. Why? Because we know that Christ is coming. Our hope is in Christ. So let's not give up. Let's persevere. Let me pray for us in worship. God, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that your words would fall on soft hearts. It would fall on my soft heart. God, that you would be glorified, that the work that you have um, for us to do, God, that it would be done, that your will would be done. God, bless us as we move into a time of, of worship and communion. Pour out your spirit on us. Help us. Protect us from the enemy, God. Help us to be really honest. And I pray that you would meet us where we are, we need you, God. We are like Anna. We're at the, we're at the temple because uh, we, we need you, God. And we're looking for you. We're trusting you. And so pour out your spirit on us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you all. Let's worship.